let's just kick it off from here then. We've had a nice soft roll into it. And oh. thanks for joining me today from whereabouts are you right now? I'm currently in Mount Martha. I'm Mount staying Martha. at a uh, family's house down here while they're away, which has been amazing during like going into this lockdown, I think just having a slice of paradise every day amongst all of the nothingness. Yeah, yeah, because was that planned to be down there for lockdown or did it just work out that way? No, it just worked out. We'd come down. uh, My cousin's actually supposed to be getting married in Byron Bay, was in August, and so my auntie had gone on this big um, caravan road trip and she left a couple of weeks ago when some of the lockdowns in Sydney came into play and then she just said, oh, the house is free if you and Andy want to come down. So we... Yeah, we just came down for I think it was five days initially and then we were going to leave because they had friends coming and then lockdown happened and she just said, oh, stay down there. So it's been good. But, yes, the moment it's very stressful, <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah. So for those listening, where how, how do you scro- describe what it is that you do for a living? Oh, um, well, I'm a musician. I'm a singer. Yeah. Full, full-time. Full-time muso. Um, full-time muso, as is my partner. And, and how long have you been doing that for? Um, full-time, I think it's been about mm, eight years, but yeah. probably, I mean, I've been doing music ever since I was little, but I think mm-hmm. working in the industry maybe the last, at least the last decade plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've been, a st- look, we're an industry that, has somewhat always struggled, I think, with when it comes to government funding and assistance and everything. Um, we, we just don't have a government that just, you know, has a big belief in the arts, I don't think. I think we've always had to fight for certain things, but this pandemic has definitely put the nail in the coffin, I think, with just the division of those earning a salary and are able to mm. continue normal life and those that are losing everything minute by minute with just almost a blind eye. Yeah. What, how has the, you know, for a bit of a timestamp on when we're recording this, it's Wednesday the 21st of July. Victoria just got told yesterday that we're not coming out of lockdown tomorrow. Yeah. It's being extended for another week. And this is now lockdown 5.0. And I remember when it was lockdown 3.0, it was like, oh, thank goodness, we're coming out of this. Yeah. And I had this bit of scepticism of just like, I I mean, I, want, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I don't know if we've seen the end of this yet. And these snap lockdowns, how would you contrast the, what, I mean, I know last year wasn't lockdown the entire year, but hell, in hindsight, it feels like the whole year was just a write-off, especially totally. for your industry, how has 2021 with the stop-start nature compared to the blanket lockdown of last year felt for you in comparison, comparing those two years? Uh, much worse, much worse. Uh, As I, in look 2021's at, been worse? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first part of the year, so sorry, let's go back last year, we were eligible for JobKeeper and right. we uh, there are a lot of musicians and sole traders that were eligible, but we were also some of the lucky ones because there are also a lot of musos and creative people and crew and the whole world. There are a lot of people that weren't eligible and that comes down to like tax and all the boring stuff, but we managed to get it, which we were really grateful for. So last year, although we're in lockdown, there was a sense of security of like, we've got money coming in. Our 
governments see us as a, you know, viable business and they are supporting us. So when we come out of this, we're good. And for the first, you know, five months of this year, it was crazy busy and re- we were really grateful. But upon reflection, the craziness came from all of the work that didn't go ahead last year, as well as new bookings. And so the snap lockdowns have completely, uh, you know, made a tornado mess uh, out of, you know, the new postponements that now need to occur and then now not being available. So they've got, the thing that I'm facing at the moment is that a lot of people are wanting to book in an event or a wedding and they're wanting to now postpone to an event I'm already booked for and I'm having to choose the the gig to do, the, the contract to fulfil and I have to lose money. Um, and because there's no JobKeeper anymore, uh, if there's a lockdown, we just don't get paid. Um, and that's just, I mean, I know that there's a little bit of stimulus that's kind of coming out at the moment, but it doesn't, honestly, we've done the maths and it doesn't even cover half of the loss. So every time, and, and this lockdown too, like that started for us back in May. I've done one gig since May 21st, I think it is. Um, the last three months pretty much. In the last three months. And as of today even, I've got another three postponements in my calendar and they've all been moved to dates later in the year that I can't do. So that's it's just work that's just disappearing. And, and yeah, the attitudes of the government are very much like, oh, well, you can just put a wedding on another day. And it's like. No, because then everybody uh, wants to do them on the same day and you can only be in that, so many places at once. Yeah, yeah. If I could clone me, it would be perfect. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's not like you can do three, you know, what's the, what's the most number of gigs you've done in a day? Oh, uh, in a day, probably three. And that would be like, you know, two short ones and one nighttime one. But, I mean, that would be really rare. I've, I think I've hit a point in my, um, maybe it's my <laughs> age, that I'm like I physically can't keep doing those. <laughs> Couple of years couple, ago, yeah. yeah, a couple of years ago, I would have, I probably would have been like, yes to everything. But yeah, I've, I think now I'm far better at judging how I'm going to feel the next day. <laughs> yeah, because what days are your typical work days? Uh, oh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday nights usually being the most booked. But you know, I do a lot of Sunday Arvo sessions, and I think a lot of people now are doing weddings on other, other nights. Mm. So, so I assume the venues would be in the same boat in terms of everybody wanting to rebook their wedding on a date that was booked out? Because typically okay. how far in advance are wedding venues booked out? Oh, uh, I mean, I've had bookings for 2023 since last year. And yeah. part, of, part of that has been like people who realised they couldn't get married last year have gone, actually, we might have a baby first, so we'll just get married in three years' time. But I also go, yeah, but once you have a baby, you know, the motivation to put together a big wedding diminishes. And so I'm kind of seeing a lot of those bookings as maybes now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they're in a tough financial situation because of COVID as well. That's the, it. The splashing a huge amount on a wedding, all of a sudden that gets brought yeah. down as well. And Definitely. weddings would be your predominant source of income. Yeah, or yeah. those Sunday Arvo sessions sort of creeping in to take a bit of that side of things? Yeah, I, it's definitely a mix. I'd say like the large portion of my income comes from doing large events like weddings and corporates, but mm. every weekend there's one, two or three, you know, acoustic gigs that might pop up. So it's it's really a mixed bag. But, yes, I would say weddings and events are definitely, um, yeah, my largish, largish portion of 
mm. what I do. Yeah. And from from I don't know either your personal experience the last eighteen months, two years, and maybe just you know from those that you know within the industry. I know this sounds like an almost cliche question, but how has this impacted? You've just said the financial side of things. It's pretty obvious. But what, what's it done for the mental health of those within the industry? Oh, I For creatives that are always, you know, speaking as someone that pretends to be creative, you know. You're creative. Your you're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're emotional roller coaster for creatives, and I'm going to make a blanket statement, tends to be a little bit more up and down and they tend to be very, yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, of, like, you know. like the creators the, and musos I know feel very deeply. Yes, it's that tortured soul thing that a lot of yeah. people talk about. And, I mean, look, I feel like I've got to know myself and mm. I am a fairly upbeat person mm. um, and I'm somebody who does cope well with change. So, I, I don't know, I feel like if I see something that I know I can't change, I am able to accept it pretty quickly. I know others that are really struggling, but I would say that this lockdown particularly both Andy and I have felt lower than we have before and have felt more frustrated and and more abandoned and just yeah lost and I think a lot of yeah I I personally know a lot of musicians that are really struggling um it just gets harder and harder to put on a brave face to be like we'll be right you know and and is that part of that tornado (laughs) that you mentioned earlier of that stop start nature the get revved up get excited and then the disappointment of losing it Get revved totally. up, get excited, and the disappointment of. But I don't even think pe- people don't even know how to be excited now, because, I mean, even even today I was reorganising some dates, and you know I'm currently free for them, but I am kind of like, yeah, if they go ahead, like, and I'm talking that they're like three, four, five months away, like because it's just such, and some of these are festivals. Like I am in an original band that. Um, that is my love project and, you know, we've been very lucky to be offered a spot at Blues Fest this year and awesome. a couple of other festivals. And very what's exciting. the band's name? Fools. Shout the big, Fools. Um, yeah, Americana. Live. Great. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, like that is really exciting for us. We finally feel like we're doing, you know, some really exciting mm. stuff. But truly at this point in time with New South Wales having their borders shut and Queensland, like, is October really going to be all smooth sailing? I just don't know. And I, so I think a lot of musos are now, and crew and everyone who's involved in putting on big events, I think people see a date and they go, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> I just don't, I don't even know if the excitement to do work is there at the moment because people are so sick of getting hurt. And is part of that hurt in that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you have to make a commitment to a, a specific booking which means that you lose out on the other potential income. Is it the same with those sort of gigs where if you book yourself out for that, it means other opportunities might come up for yourself or even the crew, but then if it doesn't happen, you could have taken the gig that would have paid. Yep. This is the one that got cancelled. So it's like it's almost a, I don't know, double stuff. You just yeah, it, say that's yes exactly. and you lose it. So you not only lost the income but you lost the potential the future bookings. would have paid for totally. that period of time, whether it was a, a job that you could have done from home that wasn't, you know. Exactly. Impacted. This is exactly right. And you've nailed it. I, that that This is our frustration in, in our industry is that um, 
because our work is fluid and, you know, things are booked in advance and you've got deposits down and, you, then, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not. The you think people understand how much goes into it? I just, I mean, even yesterday I, I worked for about two hours on one gig, just reorganising stuff, chatting back and forth with the client. Now I get mean? paid. I thought you just rock up. I yeah, that's I know. You, but, that's what you do. And that, but I don't go to get paid for that work, but yeah. it is included in the fee that I eventually get because mm. part of what we charge is, you know, all your admin, but that gets paid on the day of the job. That You don't get paid all that in advance. And, mm. I mean, this is all the nitty-gritty boring stuff that people don't care about. <laughs> but, but I think it's it, interesting because I think it, 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 it paints a more detailed picture of the story and the reality that yourself your fiance are going through. Yeah. The, it is more than just the game day, the totally. actual event. It's all the stuff leading up. It's the price of entry up to the date of it that um that's worn you you guys in your industry down. Yeah. And that yeah, that that's what I you said it just before about, you know, people you've almost got to balance this thing, which I'm having to do at the moment, is actually say yes to multiple things on one date, knowing that probably one of them will get cancelled. So at least I've still covered myself for something else. But if that doesn't happen, I'm going to have to let somebody down. And that's not in my nature. And well, that's it. That's not in my nature to do that. But I have learnt over and over again in the last 18 months that I've pulled out of stuff for something else only to find that thing gets cancelled and then that thing gets covered by somebody else. And I realise I could have done it the whole time. And it's just this big ball of uncertainty and so everyone is just. The uncertainty yeah. is almost worse, dare I say, and that's probably summing up the difference between last year and this year. Last year we shut down, fine, whatever. Yeah. It's a write-off. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this year it's the uncertainty is even harder to plan an event, to plan a gig of any sort because so how big is it going to be? Uh, what's the capacity going to be? I don't know. Like, what's the restrictions going to be? Is it going to be ticketed? Is it going to be seated? Is it going to be standing? Yeah. Is it, is it indoors yeah. or outdoors? That's different. That yeah. involves different logistics. I don't and know. Res- you've just said the word restrictions. That's a big one for us because, mm. um, you know, that last last month, 4.0, I don't know, it's all blended into one, but 4.0 was supposed to be seven days, turned into 14 days, and then we had another two weeks of restrictions. Those restrictions kept me at home still because weddings weren't at capacity yet. So I couldn't go and do my work, even though technically we were out of lockdown. And it's the same thing is going to happen this time is that we will be out of lockdown, therefore not able to get whatever stimulus the government are proposing to people at the moment, because technically we've come out of it. However, we are still unable to go back to work because the restrictions stop us from doing that. And so Yes, the uncertainty is just so large because we could be in restrictions for five weeks and technically they call it a two-week lockdown but it really ends up being, you know, seven weeks or nine weeks, a million weeks. (laughs) I was just speaking to a venue recently in a country town that relies on tourist traffic. We've got a small amount of local traffic but it's a small rural town and there's not enough locals to pay the bills, loyal locals, and they do what they can to support the business, mm. but they need people to come and check out the area and stop in for a pint of Palmer. Um, but they're more than 25 k's from uh, anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, Wurri Alec, cool, but that's also middle of nowhere. That's the closest town. 
And then anything past that, it's like even Lilydale out there is too, nobody from Lilydale can come. So in terms of being able to sustain, cool, no restrictions. Hey, they could have full capacity at their venue. They could fit, you know, 3,000 people in there and squeeze it in whatever, but 25K radius means who's going to come? Exactly, exactly. It's just so... Yeah, and I don't know what the answer. I mean, it, I feel like there's a lot of noise. Yes. There's a lot of noise, which unfortunately for people like me, I feel like I'm contributing to a lot of noise that everyone gets sick of hearing. But um, we're just not a lot of these. Who's going to make the noise otherwise? Who's going to? Well, do well, that's about it. it. Who's going to hear the stories? Um, yeah, and the heartbreak of, of an entire industry that is getting whittled away slowly. Well, we keep saying like, you know. What is the music industry after this? If you love your Aussie music, your Aussie artists, particularly if we want to be supporters of our, you know, homegrown talent, what does that look like if, if we're not being looked after? And the sad thing is, is that I know we've often felt like in the last few weeks talking about being supported and stimulus that we're not asking for free money and it's not charity. It's not, mm. um, I've never once had to, asked for help since going full-time as a musician and I know it's huge well I know plenty of people have and that's not a negative on them but you know most musicians I know that that do this full-time work really hard and have networked and hustled and have found a way to sustain what they do and so to have it all wiped out and then to sort of have a stimulus package it feels like you're asking for help but it's not help it's Mm. actually compensation Mm. sort of like being told you have to go on forced unpaid leave that's just of an unknown time. You may come back to work at some point. Yeah. You may not. We don't yeah. know. But you'll be mm. right. You've still got to pay all your bills though. Mm. It's it's crazy. But, look, there's, there's a lot of silver lining. People are incredible. We've got incredible friends, you being one of them, of course. We've got very, very wonderful friends that, you know, check in and look after mm. us and, but, yeah, it, it is very hard for, for people that generally and pridefully look after themselves and sort of get mm. to a point where we're, like, sinking. Do you know of many people that have pulled the plug and gone and taken another job and moved on and dusted the industry off? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. There's There's been actually in the last uh, last year's lockdown there was quite a lot of people in our networks that had moved to Sydney, which hilariously they probably <laughs> be. <laughs> A lot of people moved and, honestly, their their Instagrams started to look like mm. sucked in Victoria, I'm up in, and yet no one yeah, is how safe. Much, how much sympathy <laughs> do you think Victorians have for other states? Oh, I, don't know. I don't know. I've seen some pretty good memes recently. The, the one that got me last week was um, uh, Mel Gibson on the set of uh, Passion of the Christ sitting next uh, to yep. bloodied Jesus and it was like, New South Wales saying, like, how hard is this? And Victoria just, like, oh. bruised and bloodied, like, oh. <laughs> Preaching like, to the choir, mate. Exactly. It's just, yeah. Um, I had a mate who, who <laughs> runs a venue up in Sydney and <laughs> I checked in, asked him how it was going. He's like, yeah, mate, but, like, I'm really hesitant to tell you how I'm feeling because you're in Victoria and I can't really complain until we've been in lockdown longer than you. I'm like, mate, it's not a competition, all right? No, it's not. <laughs> Although I did hear today, I had a friend of mine text me this morning saying, as of next week, Victorians would have hit six months in lockdown since last year, like the amount of days. And I was like, oh, that that sounds, yeah, 
pretty dire. There's <laughs> another interesting contrast between, especially knowing my friends that are in hospitality. So I think the arts, your industry and hospo, very different but similar impacts in yes. you know, number yeah. of venues I talk to where all their good staff needed jobs. So they now got jobs that are maybe more at a desk or and not in hospo anymore because it was so brutally restrictive. Yes. But now they've lost all their good staff. Um, but, and I've just lost my train of thought and what my point was with that, that the all the good people have moved on and changed. And what was I going to say? Um, you were saying there's a lot of people in hospo that you started the sentence by saying there's a lot of people in hospo that have, oh, moved job. We're talking about people that have changed jobs. Yeah, and done a full, full career change now. Um, and now the industry is left with this gap of knowledge because everybody else has moved on. Mm. Um, is there a silver lining, and you don't have to answer this, in that if more people kind of don't survive through this, there'll be more gigs for you on the other end? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was interesting. It's an interesting concept because there was a little bit of that at the end of last year when, um, I mean, none of my close, close friends have moved, mm. but but I do know like in the wider network quite a lot of people for different reasons. Some people have had to move back to their home states where their parents are or whatever. Um and there probably is, in a way, like a little bit more of a gap just for certain things. But in reality, especially going into this year, it's like there's, I don't know how many gigs there will be in the future in general because a lot of, like if, if the knock-on effect is that small businesses or even big businesses just don't have the funds to spend on extracurricular stuff, mm. um, you might have had a 10-piece band booked for your big end-of-year function and now you might only have a two-piece band and so you've effectively got eight musicians that would have worked and are now not working. And, but I don't know, I've always been pretty positive as far as I, I never had this big dream of like I'm going to be a famous musician. I sort of fell into it and have just kept going and I've always felt really grateful for where I am because... Um, yeah, I, I've just found myself doing stuff that I love sort of by accident but through some hard work and, and if it keeps going, it keeps going and I'm I'm passionate about pursuing that. But, yeah, it definitely makes you rethink at the moment mm. what that's going to look like mm. and whether there will be the influx of work. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How did you fall into it? And was there a point in which you consciously took the jump or did you just find yourself in it and kind of go, huh, I guess this is what I do now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. No, I look, I did music as a kid. Mm. Um, I learned instruments all through primary school and I was, um, I think I was arts captain in high school. So I was Oi. always involved. I think so. I don't know how I got it because I actually wasn't, I didn't study music in high school. <laughs> so, yeah, riddle me that. I'm sure yeah. there's plenty. Of, I'm pretty sure there are a few students in my year that were like, "How did she get that? I applied, and I'm, you know, I don't <laughs> I think know." That's when they boil it down to leadership potential or something like that. Personality. Personality. I was friends with the teachers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Which teachers liked me. Easiest to deal with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I sort of have always been musical and um, was all you know always hung out in high school with the musical crew and. But yeah, I, I I wanted to be an interior decorator and studied that after school. No and way. Yeah, yeah, I was 
I had no I, idea. And that's why, there you go. Well, I didn't do music in high school because in my mind, which is hilarious because I'm such an advocate for not saying <laughs> music is my hobby, but I, back in the day, used to think music was the hobby and I would enjoy doing it, but it wouldn't be a moneymaker. It would just be. Well, fun. what schools? What, what teeth? What, actually, no, I want it back. Imagine not, you know, your family because they're obviously very supportive of what you do. Imagine, you know, your average family off the street and they found out that the VCE, you know, the secondary school teachers advising their kid becomes a, you know, professional musician um, as, their, as their life career choice. Like the, t- the parents would flip. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a common thing to go, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. No, because I suppose the... And look, it is, I shouldn't say it's hard to make money as a musician. It's a different way of money. Uh, sorry, it's a different way of making money. Um, and it doesn't just fall in your lap overnight. Uh, it's it's a lot of, there's a lot of components to this. Uh, the large one being networking. You actually need to get to know people and mm. and, um, and do some hard yards and maybe do some underpaying gigs. And I'm also not saying that people should be just doing gigs for whatever money, but when you're first starting out, you're not going to go and get $750. No. You've never done a gig before. You work your way up and you play with the standard of musicians. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because music is sort of just seen as this, like, you know, fluffy um, extracurricular sort of thing. And yeah. it was for me for a really long time. I, I just enjoyed it as an outlet. And um, I actually, back to the initial question about how mm. did I get into it was I went to uni. I, I worked in the, in, uh, the interior design industry for a year. I was just um, out of school. And then I went and studied the following year. Mm-hmm. And that year was really full on. And it was, it just, it turned out that industry sort of, wasn't what I expected and maybe I was just how so um the look partly was the course I was doing it was really (laughs) full-on it was an intensive course and I really wanted to do more of the decorating element of interior design rather than design and a lot of it was very architectural and um obviously you you obviously have to do that I'm not saying that's not a component but yeah um I was also doing some gigs during that year and right. so you'd already started that journey. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was really enjoying it. And I think when it came to the end of the year, I was so exhausted and so deflated and uninspired and wasn't loving the course. And yet I had this other thing that I was doing that was making me so happy. And that was the decisive decision where I was like, I think I'm going to do more music. And I quit uni. <laughs> and I look, I I have. Um, dipped my foot back into the interior design industry since then but um now that I'm a full-time musician it's definitely been something I've I've let go of and that's okay like I'm I've never regretted that decision but that was that was definitely the year that I thought I could do this as a job and was it the fact that it energized you is what made the decision easier for you so it was sort of the deciding point definitely yeah and I'd started to make some friends um and I was able to like songwrite and get creative, which I hadn't done before. Not not to that level anyway. Like mm. in high school, I suppose you you have you know an hour music lesson and you just muck around. But this was yeah. sort of like meeting real musicians and spending time with them. And so mm. that was definitely part of it. Is I had this energy that I wasn't getting from uni, mm. 
And, um, yeah, I think that was that was the turning point. But I wouldn't say that that was the defining definite. It was just definitely the point that I thought, oh, I think I like music more than just to have a sing once a blue moon. <laughs> yeah, and what was your community around you, be it parents, family, friends, um, what was their take on it when you made that decision, when you made that call? How, did, how was the response? Oh, amazing. My, my parents were, oh. I mean, I, my, my parents, I love them so much and they've, they've never once, you know, turned their nose up at anything I've done. <laughs> but I do, I remember my mum saying to me when at the end of that uni year I was in tears because I had this massive project to <laughs> submit and I was like, needing to stay up until 4am every morning, uh, every night to fit, to finish it. And I was crying and I was just so exhausted. And I just said to mum, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And mum just said to me, darling, you could be picking up rubbish off the side of the street, but if that's what you want to do, then we'll never stop you. And so if, if you don't want to do this anymore and you want to do something else, then that, if, if you're happy, we're happy. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, it sounds like it was the perfect recipe, recipe and, yeah. for you to end up where you are right now. Yeah. So I felt very calm. But, that, I mean, look, I understand too that not everyone has, you know, parents or family that are that, <laughs> that yeah. amazing and I don't take that for granted at all. But it definitely helped me go, make my decision that I already knew I was going to make but having my, my mum say that to me, I thought, okay, I'll be okay. <laughs> That's a cool perspective. I will be okay. <laughs> it's very self-aware. That appreciation. It's very humble. Yeah, it's cool. I'm wondering, like, did you have any mentors other than your parents from the sound of it? Did you have any mentors along your journey as a musician that helped you out? You said you met some friends in there that helped. Yeah. Um, I mean, not necessarily course. technical official mentors, but people that kind of inspired you and, yeah. and pushed you along the way. Yeah, I mean, friends that I very luckily get to play with still um right as some of the people that have been there from the beginning and yeah I, I, and those people were always far better and far more advanced and far more skilled than me and I think that pushed me because I felt like if they're giving me a shot if they're mm. working with me then you know I can keep going and so yeah some of those people are yeah definitely still in my life and people that I work with now and I don't have a specific mentor, but I just say some of those earlier friends or people that I, I knew, some of them even being from, you know, mm. church circles too, mm. that I found in secular circles. And mm. so I had this sort of commonality and familiar, familiar I can never say that word, familiar. I can't either. I, I can't remember what word it was, but I had a word the other day that I'd always read and heard but never said myself. Familiar. And I've familiar. gone to say, I'm like, I can't pronounce this word. I don't know how to actually say familiarity. it myself. Familiarity. Wait, is there an extra? Familiar. Mm? The people, to all those out there, I swear I am educated. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely not. Oh, gosh. Right I get made, my mate makes fun of me. How do I say it? Aluminium? Aluminium. Aluminium? Aluminium? Yeah. Aluminium? If you say something too much, it becomes a sound and it doesn't become a word anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, no, no, anyway. I'm listening. It's just like, wait, which way is it? Are yeah, you, uh, oh, Either that or they've, they've definitely tuned out by this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so surprised by the support so far. 
It's, oh, it's, it's been really cool. And just awesome. randoms coming out of nowhere that I haven't heard from in years, like, hey, I listen. I'm like, oh, awesome. cool. No, it's good, man. I, I think this is great. Great idea. Mm. Really great idea. Mm. So time machine question. What would just now... <laughs> Probably poor timing with COVID. Um, <laughs> Just now, be like, go into a trade, become a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be do one of the not. people who works with the lollipop signs. They earn good money. Like <laughs> Whatever you do, do not become a musician. <laughs> what do you go suggest that sitting after uni? And had an interior design class, and she just had a moment in that class where I don't know something happened that was just like, a, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. Poof, smoke. And you appear and go, hey, young Jess, let me tell you something. What do you tell it? Other than Andy's great. (laughs) (laughs) You will meet your future husband and he is amazing. Um, No, he is. Actually, he should be on this podcast because he is far more uh, skilled, amazing, intelligent than I am. But anyway, you've chosen me. You've chosen me. So people can, if they stay on, you'll get (laughs) the real deal. Um, that humility comment I made earlier. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is really hard. I I actually Mm. don't know and I've been asked this before and it's I just I I really don't know because I think the way I've lived life, especially in this when it comes to work and this career, um, without sounding like I've never set goals, I've never really set goals and so therefore not having a very um, cleanly defined path that I wanted to go down. I sort of, I haven't hit anything that I've been like, oh, because I did that, I got here and therefore this is how I should have done it. And young Jess, if you just da-da-da-da. But I would just say to young Jess, it's going to be okay. And then you're going to hit the COVID pandemic and it's not going to be okay. (laughs) Brace yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, brace yourself. Um, no, but that it is going to be okay and that actually doing what makes you happy without sounding completely airy-fairy and Not at all. Gen Z or whatever, Gen. That's fired. How many Gens there are. No, but it's it's not about being like, oh, just do what makes you happy, but actually that um, letting something go to make room for something else is is okay. And if that doesn't work out, that is also okay. I think you mentioned it earlier, like without saying it in those exact words, you sounded from your description of it like your study was draining your living soul and not in a, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to do this. This hard work is going to be totally worth it. Um, But the other side of things energised you and that's how you made your decision was not based on even a, you know, potential career and limelight, which I think is also very rare in your industry as well. Because I've met heaps of people that have gone, I'm going to be famous. And that was the goal. And the length of time that light burned for is not usually long. Or, you know, it's fraught with a lot of challenges and danger. But I think the combination of your self-awareness, your humility, and your willingness to go, yeah, this is what gives me energy and I'm just going to do it. And you just did it and you kept doing it. And as I you think said, it's, you found yourself it, in it and you're like, huh, yeah. this is me now. And I think it's also your measure of success. Like what is success mm. to you? Because I think a lot of people see musicians and artists and actors and anyone in the arts and they think it's about being famous, being seen, being heard, being praised by thousands. Mm. Um, and that's actually really 
rare and really hard to sustain. And that's the unrealistic side of our industry that a lot of people, yeah, I, I, especially through this pandemic, I feel like some of the, not not friends that are close to me, but maybe the like next circle out of people who mm. watch on, they mm. um, often see what I do and think, oh, it's such a bummer that you can't sing at the moment. Oh, it's, that's what you love to do. What, but it's not my hobby. It is actually something I've worked hard for, but my success is not out of needing to work hard because I want to become a superstar. Um, it, it, it's many small successes along the way and it's successes I don't even know that I've reached yet, you know. I won't know them until I get there. So what? How, what's, that's really interesting. So you said you, so you, divine, you define success in a lot of small wins along the way. Right? Is that what you're Yeah, yeah I, yes, or? yes. I, well, I just think that a lot of people see musicians and those that have jobs like mine as this grandiose um, journey of becoming famous or tr- trying to reach, yeah, reach the, you know, the mountaintop and be about being seen and heard and selling albums and going whatever. On going on the voice. I can say it. <laughs> Which I look, I haven't been on the voice. Let's just make that clear. That joke was not for me. Um, but but in actual fact, I think that the success that I felt has been through smaller wins or smaller opportunities or like smaller. What? Um, I don't know, like I've been asked to do some really cool gigs that are one-offs that may never occur again. But for me, it was really I was proud of myself at the time. Um, yeah, and and I would say, like, at the time it felt big for me, but in the grand scheme of career, they're, they're just small, small little sparkles of things. And I think that's what keeps what I do uh, regular uh, because I'm able to sort of shapeshift into being a wedding singer and a backing singer and a you know, or whatever, I, I can sort of do a few different things and that's how I keep it interesting. And so they're all little successes along the way. Um, and just, yeah, having a business that I'm really lucky people keep booking me and I, and I'm, I never take that for granted because that in itself is, is its own mini success. And how much of that is based on your reputation in those circles uh, to get those opportunities and to keep having those reoccurring ones? Probably all of it mm. in a way. But reputation, that sounds maybe. I know it's a word you probably hate. I do hate. Yeah, I can see you cringe as <laughs> soon as I said it. <laughs> no, because reputation sort of sounds like you're. You're seeking it. You're talked about. It. And I don't yeah. think, I think reputation more being. Um, hey, we need somebody to do this one-off gig. Who yeah. would be the best person for us to get? Jess. Yeah. We know. But also I'm not always the um, I am one of many incredible, um, sorry, I'm not saying I'm incredible, but but I'm saying I'm one of many people who are yeah. incredible singers, incredible musicians. So I don't, me doing the job doesn't mean someone else couldn't. I think sometimes it also comes down to networking abilities and friendships and relationships and, and kindness, actually. How so? Elaborate on that. I More than any skill that you can bring to the table, if you are kind and you 
put people first and you love on people and care for people, I actually think that that's what, that's what people listen to more than any of the lyrics of anything that I could sing or that anyone could could do, play a note or whatever. I, and it's a whole thing about don't be a dick <laughs> on yeah. the bandstand. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I know plenty of great musicians but maybe have some bad attitudes and don't get the work mm. because they're difficult to work with. Um, mm. And I always surround myself with players and and musicians that I actually really enjoy spending time with and they might not always be the most, you know, incredible player but mm. I never notice the playing because I just love being around them and I think that's what gets the job done. So, yeah, I, I think when you say reputation, I think that that all is intertwined into kindness and, yeah, being not being Reputation more than just your skill, reputation in yes. you as a person. Yeah. On, on and off the stage. Yes. You can yes. have people that are lovely on stage and they step off and it's a whole another scene. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're not doing three gigs a day anymore because that's just not sustainable. Um, what does self-care look like for a full-time muso, especially during silly wedding season and you do, you are crammed? Um, how do you look after yourself in that sort of season? Um, with great difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> haven't figured it out yet. I still haven't figured it out. Oh, look, yeah, I, I normally take a few days to recover from and I'm because I don't have a day job in quotation marks. I think the illusion is like you don't do much during the day, like you only work on nights. And but truly, what we give at an event, and events are uh, they're high pressure and and there's a lot of adrenaline going on, there's a lot of attention required, a lot of energy required. And through the release of adrenaline, um if you back that up you three nights in a row, you actually find your way more. It's like doing workout after workout after workout. So I do self-care for me is like Monday, Tuesdays, usually a big sleeping days and just really yeah. taking it slow. And then what does the rest of the week, what does an ideal week actually look like for you then? Maybe it would be a better question. Yeah. Um, oh, mixed bag. Um, yeah, I normally, every day I have some sort of admin to do because there's usually events that need organising, um, you know, right up to the week. So if you've got three weddings over a week, uh, that's at least a day's worth of work on each of them, just whether it be liaising with all of your band members or the client or whatever it is. Hey, we want this song. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also I've had some vocal issues over, you know, the last five years where i I just lose my voice quite quickly, so I've got to be really careful to look after it. So um, part of that self-care and my routine and everything is actually uh, looking after my voice. And what does um, that involve from someone that doesn't sing? Oh, uh, look. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> this is very boring. No. No, people uh, <laughs> don't do it, though. It's interesting. Um, well, after last year's pandemic, having not sung properly for nine months, I had was completely not match fit anymore. And way of putting it. yes, uh, muscle was weak. Mm. <laughs> um, and I was just losing my voice going back to gigs really quickly. And I think cause my talk, I use my voice a lot to talk, 
you don't get a chance to just put it down and rest. It's constantly being used. And so yeah. I had to go back and do some speech pathology wow. stuff and go back to singing lessons to try and find ways and exercises and techniques to kind of get back on track. Um, and there's a lot of vocal rest and a lot of steaming and... Steaming as in? Um, there's like a little contraption, like a, oh, you know, when you're sick. Like, like a with Vicks and whatever. Yeah, like a vaporiser, but it's just yeah, a right. hot water and... Yeah, so just and just being careful just not to I have to consciously because I talk a lot spend <laughs> me what? No. I'm not laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever said Jess Wilson, she's a quiet girl. <laughs> I got busted the other day in one of the first season podcasts I mentioned Kate's laugh and was listening oh. to she's like you talked about me, you didn't tell me. I'm like, uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> But am I wrong? No, exactly. It is a very famous laugh. Like, it is a famous is. laugh. It's a very joyful laugh, though. It's one that I have also laughed because of it. So it's not a negative, Kate. I love you. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, I, I I think looking after my voice is part of the self care and the mm. routine of the week because mm-hmm. the recovery and everything gets all. Sometimes and sometimes I do gigs during the week. So if I've done a heavy weekend and I've got something on a Tuesday, I've just chops and changes. Mm. Chops and changes. Mm. What would be? I know you've probably been asked by a lot of friends and family, especially at the moment. What can people do to help? What can people do to help people in your situation or similar situations as this? situation that is COVID continues. Yeah. Um, and there's not much, that's okay. I mean, not not much, but there's not nothing. I, I mm. think if, and not, not that this is like some spruiking session either where it's like, if you've got a wedding, book me in. Hey, you've got here's, the microphone. Here's my number. Go for it. <laughs> I, I never want to be that person, but I think with any small business, and mm. musicians are small businesses, we all run 100%. our own operations. Um, if, you know, if you have the means to book a musician for your party, wedding, whatever, um, do it, you know, mm. I always, I, I always laugh when people say like, oh, Jess, are you still singing? Like, I don't know if you still do this, but are you interested in? I'm like, I do. Yes, I do. And there's not much I wouldn't do anymore. <laughs> but but no, seriously, though, that, that, you know, that's what we do for a living and we would be honoured to, to do these events. And so, yeah, get musicians and, and any sort of creative vendor involved in, in your event planning, I think, is... A, you know, the easy option. But I think if a more urgent and if you ha- people have the means, there is um, a charity called Support Act, which um, look after, at this time, are looking after the music industry. So and the website's called Support Act. Support Act, yeah. And you can donate there. And so Support Act have helped me. They've been giving out um, cash grants to those in the music industry, crew yeah. and that are struggling and part of the reason Support Act are who they are is because right. there is a lack in, of support mm. um, from our government. So they are like the middleman. Mm. So if you... That's supportact.org.au. That's right. If you're wanting that's to look it. it up. Yeah. And so I would say that, yeah, if, if 
you know, if you're not in a position or you don't have anything that you can book a musician for, I'd say even if you're going to donate to a charity, that money is going to those that really need it. And, and I mean, every musician that I know doesn't think they need help because that's just, it's sort of in our nature and no one wants, like we are the helpers, we're the joy bringers, you know, and yeah. so to be in a position where we're on the other side, but, you know, some people just, yeah, are, are particularly mentally, and they're, they're a mental health organisation, so they've got, you know, counsellors and um, social workers that, you know, you can speak to. And so the donation is not just, you know, money going into other, it's actually to, to keep social workers working to awesome. help people. And that's really so, holistic. Yeah. Approach, and so I would actually even say that, that that would be the main place I would, I would direct people to for, yeah. for our industry anyway. I know that there are a lot of charities and mm. um, there are a lot of people struggling at the moment. So, mm. yes. Much help is needed everywhere, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, looking up everyone. Um, well, thanks for your time, Jess. I really appreciate it. And I'm always astounded every chat that we have, whether it's over wine with friends or whether it's around for dinner or whatever. I'm amazed at your, and I think this should be a thing, and maybe it's a way that, you know, musos could recommend each other, is your skill to humility ratio is out of control. The number of times over the last however many minutes you've gone, I don't want to say I'm amazing, but, you know, or in those sorts of words. But anyone that's ever seen Jess live will know for sure just how talented she is at what she does. So if you're ever thinking of getting a singer or a muser for any event, hit Jess up for sure. But one last question before we close this out, Jess. Yes. What is the one song that you want people to never request again? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, only one. Ah, oh, never request. Never request again. Oh my gosh, but like I don't even know. The list could be so long. <laughs> What's the um, worst? What's the number one like requested song that causes you to roll your eyes and go, I'm going back to being an interior designer right now? Uh, I don't I mean this the 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 problem is is that they're actually <laughs> I do like a lot of cheesy pop music. So <laughs> so I'm not perturbed as much as other people are at, mm. at stuff i mean i do look there are probably a lot of classic songs i get really sick of having to hear but that's really i'm actually going to say i'm not going to answer that because honestly that's just that is that's a mountain i don't know i look i don't know i really don't know there's many Mm -hmm. many that i can't even think of and i bet i'll text you after this be like i should have said (laughs) um oh you know what well there is one i do hate the song Walking on Sunshine. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 that's possibly one that I have a big too eye roll. Yeah, I'm just, and maybe just too, a bit too happy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this shows the wow. frame of mind I'm in at the moment. No, I was it's about just to like, say, gee, COVID has been tough, guys. Just no, like, it's, it's just, it's, it is. It is one of those songs that um, I would be happy never to play again. Yeah. But but weirdly, when I do play it, I'm okay with it. So it's I don't know. Uh, look, if that's someone's favourite song and you're thinking of booking me, I still will play it. <laughs> don't worry. I love it. I love it. Well, <laughs> thanks heaps again for your time, Jess. We're going to stop it here. And thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. I can figure out how to stop this recording. <laughs>